everyone, and welcome to episode 77 of the IACast. My name is Michael Dowies, and I'm here with Jason Earls. Hello. And that's it. It's just us people here. <laughs> Nobody else. I know. I was actually waiting for another name, too. I was like, oh, oh, wait. It's just us. <laughs> <laughs> we are here today after skipping a week because Ali and I were traveling, and Jason was sick. And, you know, in fact, he's still in quarantine. We, we don't want to have any contact with him, just over a microphone. Yeah. So. You know, yeah. uh, I still have a cough, so if, I apologize, guys, if you guys hear me cough. So, oh no, it's not okay. We we don't accept that. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. All right, we have a very awesome show for you guys today. We have three main topics to talk about. Two of them will be shorter, and the third, I think, is the most controversial. And so, I want to see what uh, you think about it Jason and we'll have a conversation and kind of weigh both sides of the argument and that argument is Twitter and the breaking my Twitter hashtag so let's get to our first story of today and that is the fact that we've been hearing rumors that Apple may be moving away from Intel based Macs in 2020 now and that's interesting that they're rumors of that and they're going to release a Mac Pro. We know there's going to be a new Mac Pro next year and that's an awesome thing too. But Jason, what are your thoughts on them changing away from Intel and going to their own chipsets for the Mac? I'm kind of torn between excitement about what that could mean for a consumer, but also I'm worried for those people who need or want to use Windows on their Macs. I mean, I know that Windows does have some ARM support. I'm assuming that if Apple does start building their own chips, they're going to be, you know, kind of ARM-based, kind of like what the iOS chips are. But I also am like, I wonder what that's going to do for performance, you know? Well, ARM is meant for mobile. And here's my thought on this. If they move to an ARM-based architecture, they would be shooting themselves in the foot a bit because, yes, you would take a performance hit, which I think they're not worried about being that, you know, what they're doing on the pro side. Maybe they'll have some Intel Macs. Maybe they'll go with their own chips on certain ones, like the MacBook, the you know, the small one. That would make sense. But the issue I have is apps. All of these apps that are Intel-based will not work on this new machine. And what's going to have to happen is that all of these apps would have to be recompiled. Now, when we had the PowerPC days, we had Rosetta to migrate those apps over to Intel. And they phased that out after enough apps were ported over. But do we really want to do that again? Do we really want to get off the x86 architecture? Because let's be honest, Surface is really amazing. It's small, it's lightweight, and it's running on the x86, uh, which is Intel, guys. It's what computers have run on. You know, back in the old days, they had the 286 and the 386, and I know some people will say that's not the old days because they were there. I was there too. To me, that's the old days of computers. That was when a lot of folks just started getting into them. And we are looking at a big change And I don't think it's a good idea for Apple to do that. I don't recommend it. Because we already have our computers a certain way. Apple needs to stay compatible and work with other manufacturers. If they do this, they won't be. That's 
my view on it. And app developers are not going to want to keep making these huge, ginormous leaps to keep their stuff on the Apple platform, if that's the case. Well, what about looking at it from the other side, uh, as far as performance is concerned? Aren't iOS devices with their ARM-based CPUs, in a lot of cases, outclassing some of the new... Uh, well, I guess that's not fair, because I guess the Qualcomm CPUs are kind of ARM-based too, aren't they? Yes, they are. But I just wonder how much of that could carry over if Apple does decide to build their own chips, if they could figure out a way to negate the performance issue. Maybe not the app issue, maybe not developers getting fed up with all these big changes, but I just, I, I don't know. It, well, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. If Rem- this happens. Remember that ARM chips, though, are meant to run usually one application at a time because they're mobile. They can do a lot of things, but, you know, the applications they run are typically one or two at a time. Now they have services and different things that run in the background, like on Android. But I don't feel like they hold up to the power that an Intel chip provides, especially an i7. Now, the i3, i5, yeah, I, I could see replacing some of those with the ARM-based chips, but I wouldn't recommend doing that all across the board. Now, is it possible that Apple might come up with their own unique standard that's not ARM-based, do you it, think? It's possible, and you know they did it with APFS. That's totally new. Right. So it's possible, and I'm, I want to see what they do just because it's new tech and it's interesting. But as a developer, I would be thinking very long and hard about if I wanted to support that platform. I wonder if they're doing it partially to help unify iOS and macOS and make them not necessarily like one operating system, like, you know, what Windows wants to be, but, or I guess Windows is, isn't it? Yes. It it is. It is. Yeah. But I, I, I wonder if that's part of why they're doing this too. Maybe. Yeah, and I'm not sure. And we won't know. This is all just speculation talk. Oh, yeah. And uh, we will keep an eye on this and talk more about it as time goes by. It's interesting, you know, because we're already looking at making, uh, you know, Apple's, we've talked about this on this podcast before, if Apple were to make where Mac apps worked on iOS and iOS apps worked on Mac. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next. Definitely, definitely. All right, so let's move on to our second short discussion topic in the news. We've been seeing a lot of talk recently on podcasts and different news sites about these things called progressive web apps. So, Jason, to you, what is a progressive web app? To me, when I think of a progressive web app, I think of a website that functions like a native installed application onto your device. So it'll have, like, buttons drop-down boxes, or pop-up buttons for voiceover people, things like that. Okay, so yeah, progressive web apps are basically what Steve Jobs wanted for the iPhone. He wanted everybody to go through Safari to get to the apps they wanted instead of having an app store. That's why there wasn't one to begin with. And so they realized that that wasn't feasible back then because browser apps could not get to the lower level functions of the phone or to the device here. And it couldn't access Wi-Fi, it couldn't access Bluetooth, it couldn't access all the things that a native app couldn't access. And so 
now browsers have the ability to access those things. So progressive web apps have become a bigger thing than they were in the past. And I think a lot of companies would like to move that direction, but so many users are still focused on the next app they can install. Well, you know, a, a progressive web app, you wouldn't have to install it. It would just keep the data on your phone and you could install a very small application that would work in the browser for use offline. So me personally, I like, I like apps. I like having something that if I know I'm not going to be online, I can still use. And I don't feel like you would get that same user experience with a progressive web app. And I feel like progressive web apps offer a new layer of, is this secure? Is this a safe application? Whereas a mobile app has to be reviewed, has to be certified from Apple at least, and can be removed from Google if it's found to be harmful. But a progressive web app, you don't have that. If it breaks your phone, it breaks your phone. There's no virus checking for that. There's nothing. So I still like the app model, but Jason, what are your what are your thoughts on these? Honestly, I kind of agree with you regarding progressive web apps. I mean, I think the technology itself is interesting. The idea that I can, you know, go to a web browser and use as far as user experience is concerned, a real app, if you will. I don't really know a better easy way to describe it. But I do have security concerns too, because you know what happens if the web servers get hacked if you're if you're using these apps? I, I feel like it would be easy for somebody with the technical know-how to do it to be able to hack these servers and basically sniff the data of every user using these apps. And I know the same is probably true for mobile apps, but and I, and I I don't know. I also think that we in general, as tech enthusiasts, as tech reporters, as tech anything, really, assume that everybody has access to an internet connection all the time in 2018. And that's still, surprisingly enough, not the case. You know, cell phone coverage is not ubiquitous across the country. There are still areas of the country that don't have cell phone coverage. I've never been to them, but I've read about them in several articles recently, even as recent as like last year. And I don't know that this is the direction that we need to be heading down. Yeah, I feel like this is something that we keep going back to. Like, is, are, is the market ready for this? Well, maybe not. Okay, let's try it back in a few years. Okay, now, is it ready for the market? Well, maybe getting closer. Mm, yeah, but especially with all the Facebook stuff, the security and all that. Yeah, I'm... I think it's neat. I think it's cool. I know that's what Chrome OS is completely based out of, is progressive web apps. But I think for your cell phone, I'm not ready to see that yet. I'm not ready to see a complete Chrome OS phone. I don't want my phone dialer to be in a browser window. That just seems weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, but I wonder, though, looking at it from an accessibility standpoint, if accessibility issues across platforms could get fixed easier and faster in a progressive web app as opposed to a native app that's, you know, maybe has a different version for iOS, Android, and iOS and Android, I guess. I was going to say Windows Phone, but... Or for Windows. You know. But you make yeah. a good point because they could just update accessibility in the web app. Now, here's the question. And this is actually a bigger question that I don't think many people have thought about. How do you make sure accessibility is 
compatible between both screen readers or all three screen readers or all the screen readers, you know, you would almost have to do checks if the user's using JAWS, present it this way. Now, the screen reader should work to a standard. The uh, WCAG uh, Web Content and Accessibility Guidelines standards. And websites, browsers, and screen readers should all work together in harmony to make sure that content is provided a certain way. Does this happen? No. So, with that said, would a web app always work the same for screen reader or assistive technology users across platforms? We don't know. And that's a big thing to have to tackle. Uh, so, that's another kink in the progressive web apps story that I think has to be ironed out before it's. I'm fully on board with it. Yeah, agreed. All right, so we wanted to talk to you before we continued our main discussion about a few things we've been working on at iAccessibility. We now have several apps that we have on iOS on the Android platform in Google Play. So you can actually now go and learn Braille through Pocket Braille, which will work on your Braille Note Touch. It's just been updated to support it. And it is in the Google Play Store, Pocket Braille and Pocket Braille Lite. So there's a free version as well. We also have our app that you can mess with to have things read out loud, start speaking. And there's even a home screen widget where you can put text in it and it will read. So check that out. It's uh, They're both on the App Store or the Google Play Store. And we also are working with our other folks that we build apps for and their apps are also coming to android as well we're working on the official iaccessibility app so we hope that you will download it if you're an android user soon when it comes out and if you want to be in the beta send us an email at feedback at iaccessibility.net we want to get any requests in for that beta it'll be an open beta on the google play store when it comes out so a lot of awesome apps coming out from iAccessibility and always keep in mind we're working on our huge project Life Chat. The iOS version of that has begun. Development is now started and we look forward to seeing that come out later this year probably around September so it's going to be an amazing app. Oh yeah and before we continue I just want to point out that we're not necessarily just looking for talkback users to test our apps too. So even if you have some vision. We're still interested in hearing feedback from you. It doesn't matter as long as you use our apps or you want to be a beta tester for our apps. Go ahead and shoot us an email. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about them breaking my Twitter. So a year ago, Twitter announced that they would be depreciating several features from their APIs, their their way of making it to where other applications like Twitterific and Tweetbot and others can access their service. And they didn't say how they would replace those features. Specifically, what's going to be replaced is push notifications and streaming support with a new user activity API. People are saying that this will be more restrictive, which it might be. But the thing is, is that it is now April and Twitter says, well, we're going to make this change in June and still offer no way to change clients to where they'll work. So everybody, all the clients are hectic to try to figure out what they're going to do. And like, well, our support's going to break after June 19th. And Twitter didn't have anything to say on this for a long time. 
and they let it become a media circus, you could say. And there was a hashtag called Breaking My Twitter that's being used, and it's become a big mess. People are going up there and saying that I'm, as a blind user, I won't be able to use Twitter after June 19th, and I will have to stop using Twitter. Now, Twitter has come back and said that they will be working with developers to make sure they can upgrade to the new APIs, and they said that the deadline will be extended for the current APIs. But the damage was kind of done, and people are still up in arms about it. So, Jason, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? I think it's good that Twitter wants to work with developers of third-party apps to try and make it possible for their apps to still be supported for their users. I just, I think when they made the announcement, they should have said that they were going to start working with third-party developers initially and avoided all of this media backlash. I'm kind of torn between they should have made it known that they were going to work with third-party developers and, well, they didn't announce anything. So now that everybody's up in arms, it's keeping Twitter in the spotlight. So I kind of see people's point about certain blind people's point about I'm not being I'm not going to be able to use Twitter when this happens, but I've used Twitter on iOS, the official Twitter app, and it's not terrible with voiceover. It is I I can use it. Yes, the layout is different than an app say like Twitterific, and I don't know how the official Twitter client works for talkback users using Android. But I don't know. I think this could have been handled a lot better. I'm interested to see what the changes are going to be. Not once the third-party developers and Twitter work together and get the new APIs in their apps. Yeah, I, I, I'm of the opinion that it's not going to... I mean, it does suck. Twitter totally took the wrong approach on this. But I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. The, the clients will still work, folks. All of your Twitter clients will still work just fine. They just won't be... You'll have to do pull to refresh. And a lot of times, they will stream... They don't stream unless you're on Wi-Fi anyway. As far as push notifications go, I really don't care for push notifications on anything other than the Twitter client anyway. A lot of times, I'll read my timeline on other clients like Tweetings, Twitterific, or Tweetbot sometimes. But I use the Twitter app because you can do tweet notifications and make it really robust as far as what you can do. I don't feel the others have that robustness. And so I I personally use Twitter's service anyway and then browse and do what I want in the other Twitter apps. Uh, how do you use Twitter? What's your Twitter workflow, Jason? On my Mac, I use Twitterific. And on my iPhone and on my iPad, I find that I use Twitter. So I think what I'm actually going to do, just to see if I can get away with it, is to remove Twitterific from those devices and just see how I get on with the official Twitter app and nothing but the official Twitter app. Just because I'm the kind of person who does not like having multiple apps on my device to do the same task. If one app does it well, that was one of the reasons I didn't like using Android in earlier versions because I had to have, even though I had an email client already on my phone, I had to install another one just because it worked with TalkBack. It was, uh, it was like canine mail. So, you know, I just, that's just how I am. I don't like, you know, having three apps that do the same task. 
So now I know that on the Windows side of things, yes, there's no official Twitter app that's very accessible, and you have to go to the third parties. But I don't think these are going to completely break. I mean, yes, some features may not work correctly for a while, but I think it's not going to be the end of the world. I think that you'll still be able to use Twitter through those clients, and things are still going to work. I mean, from what I've been hearing, that they're going to remove the notifications and the streaming APIs. It's not like they're going to make it to where these clients can't just reach into your timeline and read stuff. They're not saying that. They're just making it to where these features are going to be replaced and depreciated for something better. Yeah, I just, I think that they should have made it known that they were working with third-party developers as opposed to just letting it build up like this. I think it would have been a lot better for them in the long run. Yeah, and and so let me ask you this. Where would you go, Jason, if you were to say, I'm done with Twitter, I'm done with them breaking my Twitter? <laughs> Which social network would you go to as your primary way of keeping up with people? That is a really good question. And it's not one that I know I have an answer for because I I'm not a huge fan of Facebook per se. And it's not because of the, you know, Cambridge stuff, the, the the Cambridge Analytics stuff or whatever it was called. It's just more of the app itself. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. And I don't really use a lot of social media. I mean, I have Vero, which is one of the apps that we talked about in our social media podcast, I think. I just, I don't, I don't get a lot of notifications from it, so I don't really think to check it. So yeah, I I don't know where I'd go. You know, I think I I don't see myself leaving Twitter, but if I were to have to, it would probably be to Reddit or Vero or something similar to those since they're very accessible. So that's just my thoughts there. Let us know out there in podcast land who you would move to if you gave up Twitter because it's very interesting to look at trends and different things and we want to be able to talk about that on a later show. So send us feedback at feedback at iaccessibility.net about your social network of choice if you were to leave Twitter. So actually I think I do know where I go. I don't know if you've heard of this iaccessibility company, but they're making this app called Live Chat. I think I'd use that. Yeah, live chat or our uh, other <laughs> projects. Um, we, we may be announcing a few other social media projects as well. So, yeah, I won't go into that here, but exciting stuff. All right. Well, do you have any final comments, Jason, before we wrap up today? I just think it's going to be interesting to see what's happening with the Twitter changes. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens once we find out whether Apple is or is not, in fact, going to move away from Intel CPUs in their Macs. And it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with the new trend of progress. Well, I guess it's not a new trend, but a new refocusing on the trend of progressive web apps. I hope good things come out of it. I'm just, I just, I just worry about how it's going to work for us and the security implications. And accessibility. And yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're, you've said 100%. It is nice to be able to be back on here doing a podcast. It's been a little while. We will have our content up to you guys soon. We've been uh, traveling and busy working on other projects. And 
these guys have been busy editing. We just got the podcast uh, from March up. We're going to record the iCast and the Acast pretty soon with uh, Allison and Dan, and we'll have some new content there. So all very exciting stuff coming. You know, in a few more months, we get iOS 12 and Android P being announced. So it's going to be very exciting, guys, to see what we get. Right, Jason? Oh, my God, that's true, and I am so going to sign up for the public beta. Wait, I'm going to redo that. Oh, my God, that is, like, so true, and I'm so signing up for the public beta. <laughs> that's that's totally going to stay in the show. It was just, it was like, really? That came out a little more enthusiastic than I intended. Yeah, if, if we had to cut one of those, it would have been your second one, because your first one was just kind of a... Yeah, but, it was. But that'll do it for this episode of the IACast. If you want to get a hold of us, Jason, how, how can people find you on the internet? People can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at jason at iAccessibility.net. You can search for me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at JDE. That's Juliet Delta Echo 91. People can also search for me on Facebook. Just search for Jason Earls, and you should also be able to find me on Vero. You could find me, Michael Doeys, producing content for iAccessibility and apps for iAccessibility and all kinds of other stuff. So, you know, just check out the website and our Twitter. And uh, who knows, maybe even our Vero or other stuff. But you could find me on Twitter at Mike Doeys. You can find me on Facebook. Just search for Michael Doeys. If you want to email me, you can at Mike Doeys at iAccessibility.net. That's M I K E. D-O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. And you can also go to my webpage to learn more about me at michaeldoeys.com. I will be uploading pictures and videos from the beautiful city of San Diego where I spent time for CSUN. So I even took a video of takeoff and landing on the airplane, which was kind of cool. I wish I would have used binaural headphones to have done that. But, you know, I think they would have been like, sir, what what are you doing? (laughs) I don't know. I've heard some binaural recordings of an airplane. I don't know how they pulled that off, but I mean, yeah, apparently I, it's possible somehow. Next trip I take, I'm going to yeah. have to do that because that'd be fun. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah, michaeldoeys.com to find all kinds of stuff I'm working on. So, if you want to find out more about iAccessibility, you can at iAccessibility.net. We are iAccessibility1 on Twitter. You can search for us on Facebook. Just search for iAccessibility. We have our nice app in the iOS App Store. We are doing beta 1.4, which has some new features. So if you see some push notifications through the week, we're actually testing some new beta features. So we'll be talking about different things that are coming up with the app. So by the time this is out, that beta will probably be over. But keep looking out for it. We'll have other releases and an Android app coming soon as well. You can find us on all kinds of social media, Tumblr. We have a YouTube page. We're all over the internet. If you want to leave us feedback, you can at feedback at iAccessibility.net. And we also have a Patreon that you can go to at patreon.com slash iacast. You could also look for us in the Patreon app, which is the most accessible way of using Patreon, we found out. So if you want to support the iacast and get to hear all of our antics on our outtakes, you can do that from our Patreon. So patreon.com slash iacast or just search for iacast in the patreon app all right that'll do it for this episode thank you guys so much for being here on the stream thanks jason for being on the episode and uh oh yeah of course we will be back next week with a new episode of the show and we'll have all kinds of new content to come thanks everyone bye everyone bye
copyright 2018, iAccessibility, and Michael Dowies.